This episode is one of our grab bag episodes and we will be dealing with content that can be traumatic for some to hear as we will be talking about the recent shootings in Nashville and local tragic experiences here in Minnesota. Welcome to Counter Stories, a podcast by people of color, for people of color, and everyone else. I'm Anthony Galloway, senior partner at the Dendros Group and pastor of St. Mark AME Church in Duluth, Minnesota. I'm Halili, owner of the Other Media Group, Counter Stories producer, and vice president of programming at Ampers. And I'm Don Eubanks, member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe Indians and associate of Dendros Group. So we have a grab bag episode for you today. We've been calling uh, these episodes grab bag largely because many of our conversations, well, let me back up. Counter Stories started as a conversation of folks from many different BIPOC communities just coming together and having the kind of conversations we usually have when we get together and, and start connecting around a whole lot of things, which means the conversation goes where it goes. And there's a lot of things that are happening all around. And so while we dive into specific topics and talk to some amazing folks in, in our various communities, this episode is akin to kind of how we started. And that is just going where the conversation goes. And so I'll get us kicked off and started because I have a particular badge of honor to wear and share with my Counter Stories crew. And that is my work, along with the work of several of uh, my friends and colleagues who all work in some form of racial consciousness development, history, things like that. Um, we have another series of things that are banned or under review in Florida. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I've gotten word with recently is that some of the uh, potential contracts that I had can, can't move forward because folks aren't sure that they'd be able to fulfill those contracts by bringing me in because of the current climate in Florida. But we are not in alone. Uh, there's a Disney movie uh, under review by a Florida school district because a parent is concerned that the story of Ruby Bridges uh, would make white students feel uncomfortable. And in, more <laughs> importantly, according to the parent, they argued that it would teach students that white people hate black people. Um, as if students can't understand the nuanced uh, conversations in history that is just our history in the United States. And so... I bring that gift to you all here at Counter Stories that if there's any confirmation that you're talking about something real uh, is when it's when when the bands begin to come in. So uh, there's a kudos to to all of those who have been banned recently for uh, speaking truth and telling real <laughs> histories in Florida. <laughs> What's on your minds as you come into this grab bag episode this afternoon? I mean, it's Florida. I, I, I Florida has just gotten to the point where when you say, hey, did you hear what happened in Florida? And everybody just goes, ugh. Right? Because when you're when you're not allowing kids to watch a movie that of something that actually happened because you don't want your children to feel guilty, really that's that's a reflection of you. You don't want to feel guilty that your predecessors, maybe your mom and your dad, maybe yourself, were involved in these sort of racist protests. If you think that your kids are going to feel sad or uncomfortable, it's because of your own guilt, I feel like. I mean, if, <laughs> if you are uncomfortable with your kids seeing the statue of David, that's your own insecurities with sexuality. Because... You know, David is a masterpiece, and you're thinking now we're censoring things that have been considered wonderful, beautiful works of art for hundreds of years. How is that possible that we're going so far backwards? And so anytime I hear, did you hear what they did in Florida? It's like, yeah, I don't, you know, whatever at this point. But then there is also that fear of it spreading to places outside <laughs> Of Florida. Well, and I guess that's well, the fair. Let, 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 let me give you some examples of some of the things that are banned in um, Florida in one shape or another. Now, the inter under interesting piece is people are interpreting these bans in different ways all across the state. So there's county levels, there's like people in libraries making choices, in addition to um, what's happening in the, in the, in the state government. Um, but biographies of Hank Aaron and Roberto Clemente 
um, Duval County admitted to removing from shelves for nearly a year, along with 177 other books for a collection of di- from from a collection of diverse books. And Tango Makes Three is another book. It's a picture book about two male penguins raising a chick. Oh, yeah. Guess what? Um, male penguins do, regardless of gender, is they raise chicks. And so um, you have the the gender intersection coming in here. When Wilma Rudolph played basketball was pulled from shelves temporarily after one person complained about it. Um, things like Forever by Judy Bloom, um, uh, uh, The God of Small Things, uh, but a Booker Prize winner. Um, Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye <laughs> was pulled from the shelves. Um, and, and in addition, of course, as we've talked about in, in recent uh, uh, podcast episodes, um, the the pulling of the African-American um, AP history course um, for, quote unquote, further review. Anything that speaks to any kind of truth telling in this way and really what's being used at a lot of the conversations are parent complaints about white uh, students feeling uncomfortable. This flies directly in the face of what we actually hear from a lot of white students when they are talked to at the collegiate level. They are very upset, frustrated, and it's causing huge angst because there's a whole lot of things that they wish they had known but weren't allowed to know prior to getting there, right? And so we want to really talk about what's hurting students long-term. Students hate getting all the way to the college level not knowing things that we should have been talking about all throughout their school career. You want to talk about where people are upset? That's where yeah. fit folks are upset. I mean, stuff weren't oh, there. There wasn't even this big ban when we were in school, Anthony. Right, and there was mm-hmm. so much that we never learned. I had to learn outside. Not even in college, I had I learned a lot of things. I had to learn from community about a lot, a lot of things. I've mentioned this when we've done Juneteenth. I learned about Juneteenth outside of school. Right. I learned about Juneteenth from my mentor who uh, happens to be a black male. Like there there are things that I didn't learn in school and there are things there are things that I did learn in school and I believed and I believed that that's how it happened. I believed the Indians were happy to be moved to reservations. I (laughs) you know, I believed all this stuff because that's what they taught you in school. And then after all this, after I went out and learned all this other stuff. I was pissed. I was pissed. So this is basically what these parents are doing. They're not allowing their children to learn the actual history of this country. And eventually those kids are going to turn around and learn the actual history and be like, well, why the F wasn't I taught this? And I hope that they can look back and be like, oh, mom and dad, you prevented me from learning this. And why is that? I mean, I think, you know, for me, watching my brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews, when they have questions in books, they approach their mom and dad and they'll say, oh, did this really happen? Like, you know, even with movies, like, oh, did the Titanic really happen? They'll ask these things and mom and dad have to explain to them. And maybe it's just these m- mom and dads in Florida who are uncomfortable explaining to them these sorts of things or are uncomfortable because they don't believe that two penguins should raise a chick, even though that's what they do in real life, <laughs> you know, because they don't believe it because they themselves are uncomfortable with it. But man, I will tell you, like as an immigrant, as a child of immigrants who was told, like, learn everything, you know, believe everything. This is the smart country. This is why we chose to come here. And then to learn that everything I learned was not true. Like that made me mad. Well, you know, I guess. <sighs> My my reaction is I I try to think of the timeline, right? I, I I think of the timeline on when this this approach to um, the approach that was taken by this certain party, the Republican Party, to address the what I saw as this wave of awareness of the racial injustice in this country as a result of, of uh, George Floyd's death is when this discussion about not about white kids' feelings being hurt 
hearing the truth really started to surface um, and resulting in not just Florida, but I mean, <laughs> Florida, Texas, Missouri, I mean, Utah, I mean, there are so many Republican controlled states right now that are banning started with this the their mantra of of not being able to teach anything that hurt a white child's feelings. I mean think about that. Think about that. And and because that's what's pushing it and it started with critical race theory, but it since now has moved to trans. You know, Anthony, I I wish I had something published that I could probably say was being banned. You know, I, <laughs> I, I, I have never written anything and, and I'm not, you know, doing enough consulting work where I'm getting, you know, asked from others throughout the country. Cause I would wear that as a, a as a badge of, uh, of pride, but true indeed, but it's the idea. So in my lifetime, one, well, no, not quite my lifetime because uh, world war two happened uh, before I was born, because I'm a baby boomer, right? And a baby boomer was someone who was born after the troops came home from World War II and got busy. <laughs> and a whole bunch of us were born. But what I remember about that is the things, the steps that were put in place by the Nazis to convince convince people that um, Jews were bad was part of that the Nazi regime was part of this whole uh, their their whole process of being this superior race, but they there's always got to be something that's less than that can be blamed, and the Jews in this case were were that were those individuals, and it started by steps, and one of those steps was banning of the books and music. It's funny that you say that, Don. You know, I was just, as we talked about, I was just in Israel. I was just at Yad Vashem, which is the the kind of largest Holocaust museum in the world. And, and I got to see the actual books, um, displays of actual books and some of the, the rescued from the burn piles, um, you know, examples of some of these books and the way in which this, the similarities between what um, what uh, what became the Nazi Party were able to put forward as propaganda to 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 tie up this second class citizenship that led to then the extermination later on in, in World War II. I got to see the mapping out of that process and the simil- mm. and and you are right on the similarity between the process that was used to 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 vilify Jews uh, in the lead up to the exterminations. Um, in World War II are so starkly similar that it 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 it's it is very eerie, um, and 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 it's funny. There are folks who are avoiding the actual name book ban, um, which which causes folks to backfire because you know you burn you stop it you try to say anybody can't do something in the United States and fifty people line up and say hold my beer so so you can't <laughs> outright just just line that up but 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 you you do things like. I like how you put that forward. Um, somebody feels uncomfortable. One complaint by a parent is enough to cause the review for something that has been vetted across many different esper- experts, across many different political spectrums. The thing that's really coming out of this is very interesting is there are Republican folks across this country who are lining up to say, no, 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 you're taking this too far. This There's yes. division and factions being in there. I'm looking at an article right now that... Um, Several folks who identify themselves as Republicans are stocking Little Free Library specifically with the books that people are questioning. That are being um, banned. And so, exactly. And I that's a very good point because it is an extreme right portion of that party that is pushing this ideology, right? And um, um, And you're so right because not all Republicans on that spectrum— um, agree, agree with this. Unfortunately, um, they're not being heard, right? And but the impact is the same. We now are dealing with um, states that aren't allowing free speech. 
Mm-hmm. If I take, I mean, it, and it's a slow process. I mean, how, you know, it's a slow process that we're tumbling down. Um, and it, it's a similar process that was used to dehumanize Africans when they brought here and enslaved. It was the same process used when once we as indigenous individuals who at first were viewed as as noble, the only difference between us and white Europeans is that our skin was red. Otherwise, we had the same morals and values as they did until they needed the land, right? Then that mechanism kicked in and all of a sudden now we're savages, and uh, mm-hmm. so, I mean, but it's the same, it's those same processes that are used to dehumanize one group. And we're slowly seeing that step here with with uh, what they're doing with critical race theory and basing it. I, and it's also now moving out and, and moving into gender politics and, and everywhere else, because there were some awful things, mm-hmm. awful things said by certain members of that extreme right over this last shooting that just happened in 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 uh, Atlanta right or in Nashville excuse me or Nashville in, in, in Nashville, Nashville yes. Tennessee mm-hmm. you know when when one I'm going to do it again I'm going to bring it back to voting every every effing episode I bring it back to voting right because gerrymandering is changing all of these lines. And and so it's important that people are paying attention, but it is also a way of branding things, right? So the book ban isn't about banning books. It's not about you can't say gay, those sorts of things. It's about our children's innocence. It's about our children's feeling comfortable. It's about our children being seen. So the way that all this stuff is packaged is so packaged so nicely when you say, well, don't you want children to remain innocent as long as possible? And what person is going to be like, no, corrupt them, corrupt them immediately. And so they've packaged this so nicely that I can see how it's going to, it could spread. But when you have a, like a presidential candidate who's on the extreme right who is out there every day saying this sort of stuff, I think it's hard for us to talk about other issues because these presidential candidates are in your face constantly. And so they're putting this to the forefront of everything that we talk about, right? And and I think there's a very interesting thing that we need to 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 discuss in that regard because we gotta name it that that there is a particular um uh uh political persuasion that is that is grabbing on to these particular talking points but i don't put it that far from spaces where you know i want to ban your ability to say this because it makes a certain group of folks uncomfortable um in dealing with the truth of that history but i would also add to this list um areas where we can't you know by saying something like if i say something that's that's not quote unquote pc right in the interest of learning and growth, there is also a faction that we have to deal with that often finds itself on the left, prog- politically and progressively, that that if I don't say the, the specific right words this particular right way, or I fail to say certain words, um, you are are written off or there's assumptions that are placed on you and you're, it yes. functions itself as a banning of certain true. conversations. It's like we are losing, you know, in the, and, and again, not generally, because if we actually talk about what people on the ground are saying, none of these talking points even register on the Richter scale, right? Like like when, when, the, when the polls of everyday people are happening, regardless of political assuasion and, and background, these talking points that we're inundated with tend to fall very far to the wayside. They're not a thing in the way that these talking points will make you feel like it is. And so I think we are losing a space where there's a holding space for us to like actually grow consciousness, right? I need to be able to 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 say things that are just outdated or wrong or that are rooted in 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 destructive patterns and be able to say like I'm going through this whole process right now of examining my own oddest language. I mean, we are on a podcast that can only be accessed audibly. So what does that say for all of all of the deaf culture community folks who have to go through a bunch of extra bells and whistles to even access, right? We are working on that, we're progressing on that, and we have to have time to be able to grow that. And I have been many times where, you know, just one, one, one 
foray down the artist road and I no longer have the oxygen to be able to learn and grow. And so I think there is um, some very important things to learn from how these bands are happening. And I think the responses of them should also get equal playtime. The amount of people mm-hmm. who are like buying books to make sure they're free to access for anybody who wants to get access to these in a way that they don't have to pay for. Um, the free little free library work, uh, Barnes and Noble, all these different bookstores have a sections now you can go in and actually look at the books that that um, folks are trying to put onto that list. Books like. Julian at the wedding, which is looking at the cultural experiences and Latine experiences at a wedding. And Still I Rise, the book of poems by Maya Angelou. Um, 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 Tanahisi Coates, of course. Uh, the Handmaid's Tale is what is on these lists in certain places. Um, uh, so there's, so there's a whole is, lot of classics. There's all this talk, there's all this talk about our kids being uncomfortable or feeling guilty. Like I've heard people say, well, we don't want to talk too much about slavery because white kids will feel guilty as if it is their fault. Those types of things. But Florida is not all white kids. So what about the black kids? What They're not seeing any of their history taught in their schools anymore. So how come we're not so, concerned about the black kids being uncomfortable? But Hilly, they're not the ones in power. So if you if you look at this response, vote. Voting is important, <laughs> but I'm just saying. But but I'm just saying if you look yeah. at if you look at the response, this is much like you know to me this this is a similar situation. I think uh, where in one of our dis- previous discussions we were talking about the Browning of America by what mm. 2045. And mm-hmm. we had we did a we did you know one of our podcasts on that, but none of us we we failed to explore or examine much to what Anthony is is just shared. Some of the possible impacts or response from um, the dominant culture who now is going to find themselves. Um, when you combine all communities of color to, together, we'll be outnumbered. But in terms of breaking down each individual group, we'll still be the largest group in the United States, right? There'll still be more white folks. It's only when you add Asians with blacks, with N- Native Americans and everyone else that we outnumber whites. Mm-hmm. But as a group, as a whole, they're, they're still the largest group. What we didn't examine or explore was the fear or the impact that they would feel as a result of that from my perspective. And we saw the result in fear of that with the election of um, Donald Trump. It was, to me, a direct result of that. And now we're seeing... Another result of the of the movement to address racial injustices and equity that started with George Floyd in terms of policing black communities and other communities of color, there was an awakening. This awakening swept the world. And it was immediately after that that the rhetoric changed. In turn, because there was much talk about educating, about learning the true history of race relations in this country. And it was shortly after that that this whole tenure of, uh, well, you know, we can't go down that road, began, and, and these discussions change. And then we end up where we're at, what, three, four, five years later with states enacting bans, you, we can't do training. I mean, you know, and it started with that administration who began to, uh, if I remember correctly, Trump outlawed, um, you know, federal agencies yeah. could no longer do DEI training, right? That's where yeah, it started. Lost, I lost a, we, quite a few contracts, state contracts and federal contracts and there was, as a result. I, 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 so I again, think, it's a, it's a backlash. Ahead, no, I'm just saying it's a backlash. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. time this country takes... Two steps forward, it seems, 
in in its reckoning and dealing with its um its racial issues that it's always had there seems to be this backlash and we take three steps back and it's repetitive like, like banning the book Wonder Woman Unbound <laughs> the history of Wonder Woman the world's most famous heroine <laughs> oh my gosh Banned. really is is that really on the list <laughs> yeah it's on the list that's on a list. Wow. And it, I think that the closer we get to 2045, the more panicky we may see the uh, dominant culture get. You know, as we get more well, to the browning of America. So, so Lee, that's got me wondering, though, and it's got me wondering because um, I'm also encountering quite a few folks who are so done with the way that these talking points wind them up who consider themselves a part of this particular political group, that they are looking and scrambling for something alternative. I've actually gotten mm. quite a few, um, had a, quite a few really good moments of folks from many different areas who have just been so so um, fed up with how talking points whip you into thinking that the world is all completely unraveling apart and there's no way forward. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. get into a space where we actually have some healthy dialogue and we realize that we can throw those talking points away and actually deal with what's real on the ground. I I am going to take Luz and represent Luz's voice who couldn't be with us today um, in terms of the hopefulness of it because I am seeing that break. Um, and I'm seeing it in some very interesting ways where folks are like, there's got to be something different because – once you get up far down talking points, and I'm talking about all political talking points because they're designed to get you to a feels it's marketing, right? But when you get down to some of the brass tacks of actually having sitting down with somebody, there is a whole lot that folks are ready to say, I'm going to ditch those talking points and live in this space for a while because it just feels more sane. And I, mm -hmm. I'm seeing mm -hmm. that light kind of break through a little bit, especially as folks begin to retreat further and further to extremes to make their points. Part of the reason those extremes are happening is because, folks, I, I do think there is some waking up <laughs> that's happening in that regard. And so I do see there is a possibility to sail into the wind of this. The responses to the mm -hmm. book bans are one, but then I also am seeing a response from younger generations who are like, yeah, old folks, I ain't using your tools no more. Now, it, it's it's leaving us, you know, I, I think what's important to all of this is that even though there are folks who are questioning these things, the people who aren't questioning these things are the ones who which for which we are supposed to be caring for and speaking for, okay? And that's the part of the problem is that we're speaking for a whole bunch of folks. We, have, we aren't seeing widespread data that says that white students, when they encounter um, truth about American history, feel guilty. All right, and feel shame and in these ways that are being we're being led to believe. In fact, they're they're going, oh, that's why this is happening, and they're connecting certain dots, which is going to be very scary to the folks who are used to controlling through talking points. When people begin to actually like not be bothered by a talking point, instead they're going to wait and verify some information. That makes it a lot less conducive for me to sail in with some easy talking points and sway you one way or the other on these big pendulums that we have. And I think that is the thing by 2040, 2045, that's the most scary. And I think the light in the tunnel is um, that we can do a lot of work to help folks realize that it's not scary, that this actually helps you in the long run. Um, to put it like one white kid in one of the groups I was with, um, it helps me to have better odds at catching one of these beautiful black girls who are in my class. He said this in front of the group and I was like, oh snap, he just put it all the way out there. He was like, he was like, wait, you mean if I grow in some critical consciousness, I got a better chance? Yeah, sign me up for that class. So that was hilarious to me. Um, but, but and, and so I do see some hope in that regard. I, I love that you see hope because I'm like, I give up. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe we start to build, maybe we start to build more of that, that medium ground again, where we're not so extreme in, in one way or the other. And, 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 and I do go back, you, you talk about, you know, there's no data, there's not a lot of data showing that these kids feel guilty or that these kids are uncomfortable. But at the same time, there are certain parts of our country, as we have learned through the pandemic, that don't pay attention to data or research or 
actual information. <laughs> and their minds will not be changed no matter how many facts you throw at them. So that's that's kind of the downer me going, oh, my God, Anthony, I love that you think you can convince them with data. Um, <laughs> and I love that you will... <laughs> <laughs> And I well, love what that I said was you can convince them with a different it. kind of experience. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. The, that's that's true. the piece. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. We we started talking about the book bans, and 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 of course, we brought forward, you know, yet having to deal with the trauma, the collective trauma of yet another shooting in an innocent space. Seventy four people have been killed or injured by guns at American schools this year, and unfortunately, Nashville is the most recent. Um, of this experience. Now we have also experienced, um, you know, this is we're talking shootings there. Um, you know, by this is by guns. Of course, we have had other violence. Us in, in here in in St. Paul have experienced violence in schools as a result of conflicts that have gotten out of control. And so, yet again, we're having to face not just the fight for the cultural and moral life of that we have in the United States, but again, having to deal with acute violence and the proximity to the, to that. And so I need to check in with y'all, you know, as we do this grab bag, we can't not talk about yet again, this has been a hallmark of counter stories. From the moment we started, we have had to be deal with, with very egregious violations of our own psyche as it relates to the death by officers, the, the violence in communities, catastrophes and lack of, 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 jumping in and helping situations. We're talking about everything from hurricanes in Haiti um, to the very huge disproportionate reaction to disasters in places where people are darker and browner by the world. So so here's another one, y'all. Um, so where are you at? Where's your head at? Where's your heart at? Where's your soul at? I just said it. That's where I'm at. I'm, 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 I'm a little <laughs> bit at the, man, you know, I don't know what to do. Um, at the same time, it could be the cabin fever that's making me really just down and sad about everything. Um, so looking forward to spring. Hopefully that, you know, the, I need some vitamin D maybe, and I'll be a little bit more peppier in a few months uh, and have more hope, hopefully, um, in the next few months. But I just feel like... Um, Every time, like Don said, every time we take two steps forwards, we take three steps back. And how long do we all have it in us to keep doing that? And that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid. I'm really afraid of the the burnout of people who are in community who are trying to take on these issues and these battles. And I'm afraid they're just, they're, they're going to burn out because I I don't know how fast change can actually happen in this country in this atmosphere right now. And for me, Anthony, it's the, you know, often when this, this subject comes up, I always kind of relate it back to trauma. Um, and for me, uh, the past, the past week, two weeks have been traumatic and on two fronts, right? Including the school shooting that, that I, I brought up in terms of down in Nashville, Tennessee, but last week, there was a story that broke about a about a um, a tote container that was found on the side of the road at uh, Malax, up in Malax. Mm. And at first reports, this you know as as this was coming out, it was said that there was a foot. They found a foot inside this this container. And that that's how, you know, that's that's how it was. And that they arrested a a, a young man and uh, a member of the Mille Lacs band um, as a result of this. And so th that's all we knew, right? That that that's all we knew is that there was a body found in a tote and a young man was was uh, arrested. Now. I added the fact in there that he was a member of the Mille Lacs band. That was never disclosed. Three days later, I found out that the individual whose foot and body was inside that tote bin was one of my cousins. Mm. And not and not just one of my cousins. Oh man. But a cousin mm. of of 
a branch of my family that is uh, close, real close. So this young man's great-grandmother was my great-aunt. This individual served as a surrogate mother to my mother. Mm. So that's how, and when we lived in a, off the University Avenue in Minneapolis, back when I was in kindergarten, first grade, and in this apartment building where we lived, there were two, three other of my relatives that lived there. While my great aunt lived a block away, and her daughter at that time, um, she was attending um, Marshall University over by the University of Minnesota. So this was back in the, wow, <laughs> this would be like hmm. 1960. Okay. She, she, my aunt, my great aunt daughter actually babysitted me when I was young, when I was that age and, and younger. So she, she babysitted me. Um, it was, it was her son's son, her grandson. It was her grandson that was in that tote bin. Mm. That's how close this was. And to make matters worse, the individual that was arrested is distantly related to her husband. Mm. Which often happens when you're in smaller communities. So this is a tragedy that is in trauma that is impacting this family from both sides. Mm. And so, so there's that trauma of, of realizing that, that this is closer to home than, than, you know, than what it started out to be when it first, because the fact that something this horrible and, and horrific as it's being reported in the news is one thing. Because I remember when the story broke, I looked at, you know, I, uh, it's like, you know, it sounds like, well, this is horrible. Um, and then to find out that it's actually a member of your extended family mm-hmm. just, just makes it worse. Then we have the event that happened down in Nashville. Three nine-year-old children, three 60-year-old adults. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this individual was, uh, and it happened at a private school, but this individual, uh, apparently, according to reports, may have been a trans individual, which is something I think that is very different and unique. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever talked about anyone that identifies in this category as being involved. So it's very highly unusual for that to happen. So when, and the fact that it happened in a private Christian school, we're not talking public school, we're talking a private Christian school. So the circumstances are extremely horrible, and it happened in an environment we're not used to um, seeing things like that happen, right? I mean, the the fact that we're all getting to a point, would you say 74? So, yeah, 74 people killed by guns in school this year. Yeah. And, and we're only in March. You know, so... How how do we weather how do how you know and we've we've talked about this how do we weather these traumatic events that we're bombarded with and then you throw on natural disasters right and you throw on the fact that these tornadoes just ripped through Mississippi and completely wiped out entire towns I mean entire towns were wiped out. It, with the and so we're bombarded with this. I mean, how, what do we, 
you know, again, and, we have these discussions. Where do we put this? How do we, you know, keep it in context? How do we manage as human yeah. beings during this? And 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 this is this is exactly what makes our previous conversation so um so problematic for me if we lose the communal space uh, i i just had to to um be part of a funeral for um a a local brother who who everybody knew central high school grew up in central high school and the church community is around it was almost like a family and community reunion at this funeral on monday um with brother and for brother andy carter who who um who just died suddenly um and and it was one of those things where you know when somebody dies in family you come together you go through the ceremonies the rites the memories all the things the cultural practices that we all have in different ways and and i'm noticing as we come together for all of that the unit that used to be our processing space for that um it's starting to 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 make me question whether or not uh, the unit can handle the 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 frequency to your point don you know there there's a there's a way in which <laughs> there's a way in which your household uh, appliances can hold up right and they hold up just fine and have some recovery time um but if it never gets recovery time and this is that repeated trauma thing that we are learning more about and we having more evidence about if if we don't have the recovery time you end up in this toxic stress spiral we know what it does to kids in their in their edu- academic outcomes to never get a chance to rest and reset and that's the the thing that i saw on the minds of folks as we process this if you never get a chance to reset that toxic cortisol stays with you and we see the long-term effects of that. And some of us experience less rest than others. There are both racialized patterns, there are gendered patterns or socioeconomic patterns that show these these toxic patterns. So, so for you, Don, the same time you're having to deal with the, with the freak tragedy that happened, you're also having to deal with the state level and the federal level our national um you know uh, uh level that's still going on i mean one of the stark stark um uh pieces of reading that 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 i've seen in the in the articles um that this massacre marked the 19th shooting at a school or university in just the past 3 months that have left at least one person wounded um, a CNN count shows, um, and it was among 130 mass shootings this year in the U.S. with at least four wounded, excluding the shooting. Um, the deadliest U.S. school shooting since last May's massacre in Uvalde, Texas. So, so you know, again, there's this up and down, up and down, and this is before you get the layers about home community spaces, right? Um, folks who have who have been uh, succumbed to to overdose folks who who um who've succumbed to all the other things that are part and so this makes me want even more to to i don't know what is it that that pull in that thing that allows us to cope and process because we can let's let's be clear you know one of the things that nobody talks is talking about is the fact that it is possible to get through this trauma there are ways to do it some of them we've had for thousands of years in our cultural practices um, for for when we were allowed to do it, I hear you. I, I can I can see that in the back of your mind, Don, about the fact that you, for for your peoples that was banned for so long, and you had to do it in secret until the seventies when you were allowed to to do that kind of coping and healing strategies openly. That's where my head is at at this right now. Is what attention are we making to the both cultural and professional um, healing spaces? that allow us to process these because we can, we mm. can, it is possible. We've got the tools to do it. Um, and my concern is that we're not utilizing them the way we should. And not just that, but you know, it was what, just two, three weeks ago that we were bombarded with uh, uh, the news event of of that 28 year old um, young African-American man dealing with a mental health crisis. 
Right. And the response is, you know, seven Atlanta police officers and, and three staff from this facility. He's handcuffed in leg chains, and they all needed to be on top of him to hold him down for 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, um, so, hardly no different from George Floyd, and the young man dies. I mean— and but this time all the all the individuals in this scenario were all black, right? Mm-hmm. And so again, we're back to the systemic, the systemic, uh, the the system that allows this to happen. And it doesn't matter if you're black or white, right? It, and so you know, it it doesn't matter if you're black or white. If you're part of that system that allows that to happen, that there, there is so much. There, I mean, it, there's it's so deep um, how these things are just kind of embedded, and we don't get time to work our way through any one of yeah. these incidences at a time because we're bombarded by others, and you know, because we had this discussion with just a month ago, right, where. Where we talked about the the community the the communal healing that has to happen. I mean, because because we had the um, Hmong elder yep. that lost his life, and and that's still going on. And it's very much a collaborative movement now with some of the other um, folks who have lost their lives to, in the hands of the the police. You know, all the stuff you guys are talking about, right? It. it it goes back also to healthcare, affordable healthcare. A, B, um, destigmatizing mental health care, right? Um, and C, destigmatizing talking um, openly or sharing that you yourself um, have seat mental health care services. So what I've been seeing with a lot of my male friends is them posting on social media saying, I do see a therapist. Um, you know, that I'm fine. There's nothing going on in my, you know, there's nothing terrible going on in my life, but I see a therapist because I have a very stressful job. I have four kids, you know, and it's just, it's something that helps me to go through my day. You know, and there is something, there's something to say about, you know, the stigma around men with men feeling like if you seek out mental health, you're Less of a man, right? And there's yeah, within our own cultural, yeah. And then within our own cultural communities, right? Like a lot of people in the API, especially newer immigrant API communities, are like, they're therapy. That's not real. That's not a real thing. You know, <laughs> um, mental health, just snap out of it. You know, just work through it type of thing. And so we, this does bring me back to. Affordable healthcare and destigmatizing mental health. You know, it, I think that you all are hitting some amazing pieces um, that are all a piece of this story and deserve us us engaging. But uh, uh, Lee, you 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 gave me a big, huge ray of hope, and I don't even know if you understand that you did it. Um, <laughs> because when you talk about that, you know, the fact that brothers, you know, and I mean brothers in a general sense, like like. Uh, maleness, right, or masculine energies, because we 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 are in a space where 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 that's a little bit more apropos to the folks we were talking about, right? But this 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 notion that I'm going to hide or not talk about feelings is changing. I'm feeling the shift. I'm seeing the shift. I know more and more folks who are in conversations with, um, you know, about the mental health, about being able to see or talk to somebody, but also, you know, that doesn't always just happen with mental health professionals, right? It it mm-hmm. still even matters just getting together to talk unofficially with groups of folks and be able to say what's real, what's coming up for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I see this as a pastor in church spaces where we will get together and just by nature of convening in a spiritual space, um, when it is the brothers, when, you know, there is a... And, and folks are able to just speak what's coming out for them. There's this, ah, right? There's this this calming, this breath that takes place, and you come off of this toxic spiral at least for a little bit. And I think there is there's something to be said around that. 
And I see some of that happening in the folks who are gathering around this Hmong elder. I was I was on I was seeing exchanges go back between uh, Hmong organizers and folks from 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 different um, organizing groups, including um, you know uh, groups that work on deaf culture, community, and, and communities with disabilities, um, which was center here. Right, this is an issue mm-hmm. that happens when folks who are deaf, blind, hard of hearing encounter. Um, you know, officers in this way, we've got to have an awareness or consciousness of that that's going to stop you from being able to get the responses you think you need before mm-hmm. we even get to the fact that why do you need that response in order to do your job? That's a whole yeah. conversation of itself. But <laughs> folks are coalescing. And so I, as we as we talk about all the things that are challenging about this, this I do need us to remember that one, we've got tools and they're tools that have been with us for thousands of years in all of our respective communities, if we'll only use them. And two, we there are folks who are marshalling energy into addressing a lot of the things that we put onto the table here. Whether you hear about them or not, often um, d- d- relies how, on how much these talking points that are trying to push particular agendas uh, uh, get in the way of just the breath that we should be able to take. Um, in order to do the business of healing. And I think that is something for us to to really consider, um, adding to add, consider to adding to our work. I, I would like to propose one practice that I know Don will be bringing to the Roseville festivities for Juneteenth. Um, and that is the naming of ancestors. And part of, in my tradition, the thing that we do is name those who are ancestors because they are elders who have gone on, but we also know that it's not always elders who walk on. And calling the names of those um, who have walked on in whatever tragic space is a step to being able to acknowledge that they have walked on and that we need to move, our bodies need to move to the space of healing through the memories of them. So if y'all permit me, I would like to, to have us end our Counter Stories episode today just calling the names of our most recent tragic event in hopes that we can start the body to begin the process of healing. Those names that were of the lives lost in Nashville were Emily Dykehouse, Mike Hill, Catherine Kuntz, Cynthia Peak, Haley Scruggs, and William Kinney. These were the six who lost their lives in the most recent shooting. May our bodies begin to move to heal, and that healing includes making sure that we do something to stop this from happening again. This has been Counter Stories. I'm Anthony Galloway, senior partner at the Dendros Group and pastor of St. Mark AME Church in Duluth, Minnesota. I'm Haley Lee, owner of the Other Media Group, Counter Stories producer and VP of Programming at Ampers. I'm Don Eubanks, member of the Malax Band of Ojibwe Indians and associate of Dendro's Group. This has been Counter Stories, a co-production of the Counter Stories crew and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.